0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 57th episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'm your host, SBJ, and with me on this delightful evening,
1: I have Alan. Hey, hey. thanks, SBJ. Hey, I missed you last episode. Random fact number eight, uh, I edit the episodes when you're not there, and you can always tell because the sound levels are off, like, it doesn't sound (laughs) as smooth because I'm not as good as you, and... I always accidentally say, email us at contact at Tuesday Night Games, but it should be podcast at Tuesday Night Games, but we'll still respond to contact. That's our business email, not our podcast one. Uh, and the biggest okay. sign, yeah, yeah, the biggest sign that I'm editing the episode, you're not on it, SBJ. That's the biggest clue. That, yeah,
0: I usually almost, I, I only listen to the, the the first five minutes of the last episode, the you know random fact about me, I've never had stitches, but... You usually every time I'm not on, you usually do some like preamble of like what happened. Or like why that's Captain this... Chesby? Oh right.
1: So... yeah. My mistake. Yeah. Come on, don't insult him. He's my he's mind. doing his best not to interrupt. Speaking <laughs> of <a> fair, <laughs> we have Sean here. Hey.
2: Hello. And you're sounding all right so far. Yeah, this is magical. This sounds good. I was telling SBJ before the show that um You know, Usually I do this podcast while I'm still at work, and uh, we've had problems with the internet this whole time, but yesterday I had calls for Tuesday Night Games all day, and one of them was a Skype call that was like two hours long, and this one room in the office was the only room that was open, and uh, my signal was terrible everywhere else, but then we had the call and there was no breaking up at all, so I just figured I would try it out for the podcast today and see if it worked, and so far it is.
0: Yeah, so far it's it's better than, what well, was it, not last episode, but the week before where we were like, just switch your phone, anything that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a podcast about board games, card games, role-playing games, games you can play on or under your table, and we don't have much of a format for the show today. Of course, I'm sure Alan has a laundry list of games he's been playing, I've been quite busy and I mean, I guess I could talk about that, but Alan had a way more exciting weekend than I did because you were at the Ravenwood
1: castle that is correct, sir. It's in New Plymouth, Ohio, which is like by Hawking Hills, which is like South Ohio, basically. But yeah, it's a castle. It's basically like a b and e type place. It's pretty nice. So they're just think of it as a hotel. And I talked about it a little bit last year. but you go there. And there's the grand opening, and you are greeted with knights in shining armor. Not that there's actual knights in there. They're just the suits of armor. But then next to it is also a village. So if you don't have the green to pay for a room that's inside the castle, there's all sorts of different cabins. But the cabins are like a fairy tale-themed village. Like, there's... So many there's the woodcutters' cabin, which is probably my favorite it has a tree on the inside. so they're all themed. And then they even have on the cheap, cheap, like gypsy wagons, actual wagons that you'd see from some fairy tale movie where in the back is all the wares, but instead of wares, it's beds. so yeah, it's a it's a really magnificent place, and they hire me now officially for every Halloween. yes, the, the
0: wagon seems
1: more appealing than a r- actual room just because yeah it's well first of all it's cheaper but second of all it's cool because it's small it's more like camping than it is luxury so it depends on on what you're feeling like yeah absolutely whatever you want they've got some a room or a cabin to suit your needs yeah. now
0: the problem is that this event was sold out so i don't think we could have got a cabin or a wagon if we wanted to
1: no, it's been, it was sold out for months and apparently people are trying to book it right now. So I talked to the proprietors who also are the proprietors of the Malted Meeple, which is a tabletop bar, bar pub, cafe here in Ohio, in Hudson, Ohio. And they decided, we talked and we deced, decided we'd have a great running of the bowls. So we'll probably put an announcement on our email list. So if you subscribe to Tuesday Night Games email list, We'll announce it. We'll announce it on our social media as well when the great release will be, when you can actually register, because a lot of people get disappointed. So we decided we're going to make an official at this time. And I think it's going to be sometime in April, is what we've been discussing. But in April, some date, boom, it's now open. So now it's going to be like BGG Con or PAC. So first come, first serve, you come on in. And yeah, so it's. It's exciting that it's gotten that popular that people are biting at the bit to get it right after the show people were trying to book for next year and you're not allowed to do that so
0: pretty pretty cool when you were talking with them did was there discussion of letting more having more room for more people because it seems like that's just money wasted on the table so they can only sell as many tickets as
1: they have rooms because previously they would sell tickets and rooms so that you wouldn't have to be staying there in order to have a To have a ticket, but they had a problem with that because it got too packed, and they wanted people to actually be on site because they make more money that way as well. So I can see from a business standpoint. But here's the good news: they're building new themed cabins and lodges, so they're expanding. So this time next, in fact, the construction is supposed to be done within the next month. So certainly there will be room for more people. Next time, which is crazy because there's already so many people there. We're talking about 50 people. Imagine 50 people playing werewolf at once. That's my job, man. Sounds like a nightmare, but we pull it off.
0: Are there other people that quote unquote work there or is it just you hosting the games?
1: Oh, it's it's just me hosting the games and doing all the events. But I definitely have help because they have live in caretakers because it's a castle. So they have a couple that actually lives there full time. So Seven days a week, they're there living. And then they have other help that staff that are pretty amazing. They pretty much live there. I got to know them. They're amazing. So shout out to Preston and Amy and Cassie and Savannah because they were great. And anytime I needed help, they were more than willing to. For instance, one of the events is the Great Cookie Monster Contest. Everyone gets two Halloween-shaped cookies, pumpkins, bats, witches, whatever, that kind of thing. And you decorate them. Or you eat one and decorate another, everyone gets two, and then everyone judges on which one is the best decorated cookie. And then you get prizes. But I didn't make those cookies. Oh no. They totally made the cookies. They set it up. So they're doing a lot of the clearing of the tables, setting of the tables, getting a lot of the supplies. But as far as like the gaming and everything like that, that's all on me. But that's a good question. yeah. so, whew, whew. I am looking to do get an assistant for next year, though, because, man, it's crazy. I think that conventions are really stressful, and Sean, you've been at conventions, and you know it's stressful, but imagine running that convention almost on your own. My mind is working miles per hour. Let me tell you something. This is the most amazing thing. At the risk of rambling, and I'm sorry about this, guys, but... It's amazing <laughs> that our brains are like CPUs and we only have so much capacity because I'm basically counting out cards as I'm dealing them to players. Someone asks me a question and I'm also thinking what I have to do next. Like, what is on my agenda? I'm trying to think of so many things at once to the point where it starts impairing my speech. I'm thinking about so many things. Someone says, wait, how many cards am I supposed to have? And what comes out of my mouth is, yeah. yeah, yeah. What? because I'm literally incapable of talking because my mind doesn't have the processing power to be counting, dealing, and all that jazz all at once. It's crazy,
2: gonna say that I'd heard something similar to that um as a metaphor for people with like severe anxiety or depression. I think they call it the spoons metaphor. Like some people have an infinite amount of spoons, and they never think about needing more spoons or running out of spoons. Um but you know, when you struggle with depression or anxiety or social anxiety, Those spoons are limited, and so you're thinking, like, do I want to use one of these? This is going to be one of my 12 spoons for the week. And so it's sort of like that memory RAM sort of example where you're saying to yourself, like, okay, I've got a finite amount of time and a finite amount of work and a finite amount of energy. What can I get done? Um, And that happens at conventions, but also just like in work and life and all that sort of stuff. So I don't know how you manage to sneak it all in and do it all by yourself.
1: Here's the biggest need for the assistant. I learned from last year, and every year I'm adding more and polishing and trying to make it a better event every year, but I I actually custom-made a bag. I modified a mail pouch so that it would carry everything perfectly so my laser pointer has its own slot and so that my notebook has its own slot and all of my components for the main game I'm playing has its own position because I remember it just taking too many cognitive resources to locate the objects when I needed them. Last year, so I had this amazing bag this year, but the problem is remembering to put the things back. The biggest thing that always happens: you put something down, and then someone talks to you, or you do something else, and now you can't remember where you put it. That was nonstop. So for no better reason, I would just love to have someone following my ass around when when I'm like, "Where's my laser pointer? Here it is." Almost like a surgical assistant. Not that I'm a surgeon, guys. I'm not saying that. But scalpel. Here you go, sir. Okay. Where were the cards? Here they are there. Oh, thank you very much. That's that that was the most frustrating thing. I'd have to look like a jackass in front of fifty people. Has anyone seen my glow sticks? I had a thing of glow sticks and it was supposed to be in my pocket, but for apparently I forgot to put them back in
2: my pocket. That happens all the time. Did you play any cool sort of games there or experimental games of any kind?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the crazy thing is this, because there's so many people Simplify, simplify, simplify. Even werewolf has to be stripped down to its bare bones. We're talking no seer. We're talking just werewolves. And I'm talking fast rounds, fast rounds. And wait, 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 was... wait, why why does it have to be so simplified? Don't these aren't, don't these people love board games?
0: Aren't they here because of you hosting the event? No,
1: sir. They are, but they're also there for the castle. So there's a good mix. But I would say right now it's growing, but compared to last year, there were definitely more gamers this year. But I would say only out of the 50, there was about six gamers there. All the others ranged in a whole bunch of different personality types. And most of the people there were there because they read the program and said, oh, man, that sounds awesome. A werewolf game a zombie game during halloween hot damn never even knowing what werewolf is amazing and i can guarantee so only about 10 people there had even ever heard of werewolf it's crazy
0: this like opens up like all these new questions were there a bunch of like sandbaggers hanging out or oh man
1: i I would say no i also have the question
0: of like Are these 50 people, like, moving as a group from game to game, or is it sometimes just like 10 of the 50, or sometimes it's some people just don't show up because they're not in the mood, or they don't want to play that game, or like, how does that work?
1: All of the above, SBJ, because you have a whole range of personality types, but I would put an asterisk on the schedule for events that you really shouldn't miss, and typically only one or two people, maybe four max, would miss those events. So most people made it to every single event that was flagged as very important. But other ones were just, for instance, Saturday afternoon, just open gaming. Because a lot of people want to go ahead and see the sites. They want to go exploring. They want to see Old Man's Cave, which is like this park nearby. They want to go hiking because it's this beautiful area in southern Ohio. So it's all about location, not just about the events. But I wouldn't say I had sandbaggers. What I would say is... Throughout the day, people are getting more and more inebriated. So by the end of the night, like it's two in the morning and I'm still hosting my ass off, and some people are saying, "Keep entertaining us. What's the next game? And once they can't even do Cause of Death Ghost, like that's too heavy for them. Like they can't even understand how to draw a card and pass a card. It got to the point where some people got frustrated. Some of the gamers were like, man, we we can't even play this game. This is crazy. But I said, you know what? Let's play a little game that I just made up of on the spot. You've never heard of this because I just invented it. Let's play Never Have I Ever. So we ended up just playing drinking games late Saturday night. And it was a huge hit. It was amazing. Everyone was getting to know each other. Everyone's getting fun. And now we're all Facebook friends. And all these people are trying to get in next year, too. It's, It's crazy. But... I would say at this point, it's not a heavy gamer event. It's just people that are learning that there's this whole gaming world. Again, most of the people never even didn't even know what the word uh, the term tabletop meant, and they said, "Wait, you make card games like Monopoly and like Blackjack?"
2: So seriously, that's most of the people that were there. So but- the gaming events are kind of like an amenity to the hotel. It's like a hotel that has a jacuzzi and you know has a spa and also has this guy who will run these crazy games for you. It's sort of like an add-on to the already nice experience of staying there.
1: Right, and they're all Halloween-themed. For instance, one of the big hits every year is Monster Monikers, where I just take all the moniker cards that are monsters, and there's a lot of them, but of course, monsters is a relative term because some people consider... Peewee Herman to be a monster, so I put him in there, right? So, anyways, so there's this whole deck of monsters, and we play Monster Monikers, and these people never heard of Monikers, but they love it. So it's all these kind of gateway games or games we've all heard and loved, but I've stripped them down to bare bones, making them incredibly simple. Do you think that there is
0: almost like a a an untapped market of other hotels or just other events? not taking advantage of something like this and i'm not saying it needs to be like halloween theme but there are like, like for example irene and i we went to just a hotel slash spa for christmas last year that was our christmas gift to each other was like let's just get away you know no phones let's just go to this hotel this was like an hour away and then like we had a spa day and stuff and it was when i was there i was wishing there was more to do but it was obvious that other people had that same mindset of like, let's go away for a holiday. Not too far, like not anything special, but like there was Christmas trees up and Christmas decorations. And on Saturday morning you could meet with Santa and on Saturday night you could take a a Christmas light tour tour. tour. But it's almost like what you're explaining could be done for almost every holiday. And it's like the cheapest and easiest thing a hotel can do to make People and money come in.
1: SBJ, let me address many points that you brought up. First of all, you can never interrupt me because you're the host. (laughs) And when you talk, I happily uh, back down because what you have to say is more valuable than anything. Second of all, romantic. Nice work, sir. That's a very good Christmas gift for Irene. Nice. Nice work. (laughs) And third of all, you brought up another good point. No cell phones on that date, but what they claim is the magic of the castle No cell phone signal whatsoever. There's no internet. There's no cell phone. Some people get pissed, but that's usually with only like the first 12 hours. After 12 hours, they all realize, oh, this is totally life before there was cell phone or internet. It's amazing. But to answer your main question, absolutely. The biggest compliment that I get by a lot of guests at the castle that have been there before about the mad Professor Von Gerd the Deathly Deals, the event's called Deathly Deals, presented by the mad Professor Von Gerd. They said it was way better than the typical event because the most common event they have at the castle is murder mysteries. And the murder mysteries, you have to be at almost every little event that they have. You have to be competing. Otherwise, if you lose out, you've missed on the foundational explanation of what's going on. So if you're too late or you miss a couple hours, you'll come back in and you'll be lost. And basically, you won't have... Anything to join back in on. But Deathly Deals is way more laid back. In fact, there was only three highly recommended activities that they go to. The opening ceremony, the great sorting splat, which is where they uh, I decided which team they were on, so you got assigned a team, and then the closing ceremony. Deathly Deals is based on a game that I created that I originally called Trade Secrets, but I changed the theme to fit the Halloween theme. And so there's this cariancy, which is currency that's themed in body parts. So there's brains, there's bodies, and there's bones. But they come in five different colors. And what you do is when you participate in activities, you earn cariancy. And then at the end, you and your team turn in currency to win the game. But the problem is you don't know what the currency's worth. For instance, all the orange currency. Could be worth minus three points so you don't want to turn in any orange currency or another little rule could be whoever turns in whatever team turns in the most green earns 25 points now how do you know these rules every single person that checks in gets their own secret rule so the only way to figure out what all the rules are for the currency is to communicate and socialize with other people possibly making trades or you can buy a rule for me for five carriency. So the cool thing is, besides those three things that I told you prior, the opening ceremony, the team sorting, and the closing ceremony, you just do whatever you want and earn carrioncy if you so choose to. So a lot of people are free to go ahead and roam and whatever. It was, it's so it's very laid back. And going back to your first question, absolutely, because I think it's amazing that I had. You know, Over 40 people that didn't even really know about tabletop games, but almost everyone left there either buying a game or knowing of games that they want to buy to take home. So I felt like, as weird and cliche as it sounds, I felt like I was making a bigger difference with this group than I would be at a convention. Because at a convention, you're preaching to the choir. These are already gamers that know all about gaming. They have their own tastes. But at this convention, they're like, what is monikers? What the hell's code names? Oh my goodness. And they love it and they don't even realize that there's this whole world out there. Yes, hotels could easily tap into this and have basically a game host
2: going on at all these events. Yeah. Definitely turning somebody who is not purchasing any board games at all to purchasing their first board game is a much, much bigger deal than converting somebody who's already buying board games all the time into buying your game because all of a sudden you've like Potentially open them up to like 30 or 40 More purchases in their life as opposed To this one person who's always who's Already sort of like bringing cash flow Into the industry as a whole if that makes sense
0: I want to I switch gears A little bit and I want to Switch over to Sean and get a World championship Russian roulette update
1: World championship uh, Russian roulette update uh, I haven't made a, a Sequence for this so this is it you guys, you're welcome. That man, sounds, man.
2: Very, uh, sounds very professional.
1: Yep, yep, you're welcome.
2: Uh, World Championship Rush Roulette. Uh, we're going to do a Kickstarter update, I think, this coming week, but things are good. Um, we did this proofreading contest where you could send in any proofreading notes you had and you get entered into a drawing. Uh, for every note you submit that we actually correct because, as you may know, a lot of people have different opinions about you know style, format, that kind of thing. So don't pick every note. Um but, man, we got some amazing, amazing notes. Um, Such got, a
1: good idea. Such yeah, a good idea. Who
2: would you steal it from? I don't know. You know, we were just... Let me tell you, proofreading for a board game is incredibly hard, and it's an incredibly specialized skill set because it's not just about grammar and things like that. You also have to think of templating, consistency, um, matching things like component. Even one of the latest things Alan and I found... Um, was about like the directions cards get flipped over. You really have to think of of this thing not as proofreading a document, but as like proof conceptualizing a three-dimensional product. But our backers did an amazing job. And we've worked with professional editors before. We've worked freelance. We've worked with volunteers. We've done it ourselves. I used to do it. Alan used to do it. We got some really great people out there. And some of them we actually reached out to um just based on how well they had done Ah, uh, to contract them for you know professional work sort of in the future. It was a great way to not only find proofreading errors, but also to find um, you know potential people that we could work with in the future, if that makes sense. So that was amazing. And then after that, sort of, Al and I went back and forth about you know what do you think about this note? What do you think about that note? We collated that, and made all the ch- changes, which is always a scary thing because uh, this time we had the very talented Adam McIver uh, do all the graphic design, which is something I. Uh, I- I did on two rooms in a boom and he just did an amazing job really blew me out of the water um in terms of what he could do but then when he passed all the files over to me and we started making the proofreading changes ourselves there's always that scary moment like am I going to be the one who blows this whole thing up uh just because they're just really complicated files so we submitted those to our manufacturer and they were really great um really very communicative got back to us you know daily updates um alan and i uh, alan doesn't have them yet but he will soon we actually have um physical copies of the dice the custom dice we had made they look gorgeous um they feel amazing and uh, i think they should be moving on to print uh, actually the next thing they're gonna do is they're gonna send us a white box physical proof i think here in maybe like a week or so with uh alan you actually asked me about this the other day they will once we finally approve the digital e-proof they will construct the uh, cardboard insert, and they will send us that in the sort of white box proof, and then we can go back and forth with them about it there, but they'll sort of build it and send it to us, if that makes sense. Yay! So, um, World Championship Rush Roulette's going really, really well. I feel uh, very excited about it. I think one big difference for me personally, as sort of um, the guy who sort of touches this project a lot, uh, that's changed versus Two Rooms and a Boom, is on Two Rooms and a Boom, you didn't know what would go wrong or go right um, because we had never done it before. So it was very hard to gauge whether you were catching mistakes or not catching mistakes. It was all just kind of a void. Where with World Championship brush Roulette, Alan and I can like proofread something and say okay, um, the mistakes that could happen are, you know, we've missed something, we've duplicated something, we've done this, we've done that. And a lot of those are mistakes we've made before and we know what they'll cost us. So we can feel comfortable hitting the go or not go button because we just have a better idea of the landscape wouldn't you say so alan
1: yeah it's definitely a learning process and it's a skill within itself you did a great job explaining how difficult it is to read rules and that it's a beast on in of itself but also understanding the ripple effect a uh, change in a card would be just swip, swapping around a sentence a little bit on an action card totally changes the interpretation and so basically what we've really learned how to do is try to think of the lowest common denominator. Let's imagine the person that is confused as much as possible and how would they interpret this card. But again, that's hats hats off to a lot of our backers that helped us out because we've put it through plenty of editors and they're still not able to catch it as much. So having the number of eyes on it really helped and having the different perspectives, it it was just amazing. I can't emphasize enough how good it felt. It was so thank everyone who participated, man, so good. Sorry. But yeah, hopefully that answered question, Sean.
2: There's this kind of interesting, um, metaphor in software development that my friend Phillip, um who's a big advisor on Tuesday Night Games Things, um, told me about, which is that uh, designing or writing code for tests. So you write all this code for a software platform, whatever you're working on, and then you have to test it. Is it this fast? Does it do all the things we say? And so you design these tests, And if the tests all go green, then you know your code worked. And that way, if you go back and change your code later, you can run them through the same tests. And if all the tests still work, you know you haven't broken anything. And this is important on really large, complicated pieces of software. So now there's sort of a school of thought building that the more important thing, rather than getting the code right, is to get the tests right. Is to make sure your tests are really well written and that you have enough of them and that they're all testing exactly the things you need. Because at that point, it doesn't really matter what the code looks like if you get the result you want. Similarly, how this relates to board gaming is, a lot of times, the design of the game um, happens for a very, very, very long time before the rule book is written. In fact, for a lot of people, the rule book is the last thing that's ever written. And so what happens is, you you teach these games orally. Um, Most games in the prototype or playtesting, or even just like at conventions, are taught by somebody teaching other people. Well, there's a huge difference between explaining something to somebody orally and then somebody reading a rule book and trying to get the same experience out. So I think what Alan and I found was there was a lot of things that have always clicked or that have always made sense or that were metaphors that we used to teach the game that when they're written down in a rule book that, like, rules lawyers and, you know, customers are going over, they don't necessarily make as much sense because they don't have somebody behind it acting and inflecting on those things. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean it, it, to, it the big thing is we had to sacrifice a lot of humor and I hate saying that, but our original rule books I think hilarious, but we're like wait, someone may now makes it confusing. We got we got to stick to the rules. So, uh, it, it humor will just have to leave for face to face and when we can we'll try to leave some there in a rule book, but for the
2: most part you're getting rules. That's any other brain busters, SBJ? <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so I I think another big thing that's really helped out on World Championship Russia Roulette is, as Alan and I learn and grow, we're each developing a skill set in the company, right? Um, And there's some overlap there. Uh, Like, we're both learning a little bit about developing and how to make uh, business decisions and things like that. But there's also a lot of areas where we're very specialized. Alan is by far the game designer. And I'm the person who's, like, using QuickBooks and that kind of stuff. And as we get better at those things and build sort of trust, we're actually able to move faster than we would before. Because before, when neither of us knew the answer, but maybe one of us had a gut feel one way and one of us had a gut feel the other way, that ended up in a lot of gridlock where we would say, like, well, my thinking is this and your thinking is that. And not that we'd be, like, completely uh, demoralized or anything like that.
0: At each other's throat over Right, absolutely.
2: Over the stupidest sort of stuff. But because we didn't know and we didn't know who was right and we didn't know... If if you were wrong, what the consequences would be, if that makes sense. Well, should we go with this component or this component? You know, if it's four cents, is that going to kill us w- rather than eight cents? Um, but now that we have a little bit more experience, both like as individuals and as a company, I think we're able to make decisions quicker, uh, which has helped out in making so far um, the production of World Championship Russian Roulette kind of a breeze. Wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, we really found the realms of our own domain and we understand our Venn diagram better of where we overlap to the point when we had that discussion, we just basically, what do you think it was? Like three hours, four hours where we just sat down and went through every little thing of Russian roulette before we sent it the digital files in. It was actually a really romantic experience because it was such a well-oiled machine. We definitely knew exactly where each of us were and who basically had authority in that issue. If it was a mechanic thing, it was me. If it was visual, it was you. If it was writing, it was more you, et cetera. It was, it, I, I felt it click, so I felt even yeah. closer to Sean than ever.
2: It was kind of cool, because I would find myself saying, whereas before it would be like, I don't know, but I feel it should be this way. Now we could say things like, okay, from a marketing perspective, I think these are the benefits... Of doing it this way. However, if that's going to confuse the tone or the theme or the understanding of the game, I can see why we would go that way. And then we can just make calls because we've spent some time sort of developing that understanding of those different realms. I know this is a little inside baseball, but um, in terms of people out there who maybe are wanting to form a company or have like a best friend and they want to start designing games of those things, one of the things um, I think I've learned is that. Spending time sort of developing areas that you're good in yields a lot of positive results in the partnership long term. Um, because we're able to approach it from those angles and say, okay, I trust you, you go take care of that, I'm gonna go take care of this, and we'll meet back later. And there's been a lot of that in this game that's been really sort of fun to watch it grow.
1: It's really interesting because we had so many people come up to us and say, You guys are doing a partnership in the tabletop industry. Well, that's a recipe for a disaster. That doesn't work. You need one person. You need one Colby Dow. You need one Travis Worthington. You can't have two of them. But I, I'm confident that we're starting to prove them wrong, man.
2: I really am. I feel good. I mean, it's sort of like um, knowing where you're going to be weak versus knowing where you're going to be strong. Um, because it's two of us, we are more likely to end up in gridlock than we are to like cut through the fat. Um, but because there's two of us, we're also more likely to not take huge risks that won't pan out, um, on sort of like a whim. Um, so definitely having a partnership versus being alone, you know, has a different experience. But I think another big thing that Al and I have found, and this might be a little cheesy, but when you're building something from scratch, it can get very lonely, even in a partnership and having just another person there who's like, no, we'll be fine. We'll get through this can be a huge relief.
0: I think that's good information. I think that's good inside baseball.
1: Yeah. I like that. Speaking of baseball, Cleveland just lost, so way to bring up that sore subject, yeah. SBJ. Yeah. We just lost the World Series, but hey, what a game. What a game. What a game. What a game. I, I think we should put a pin
0: in the episode here. I think it's real strong. I don't know if it can get much better.
2: We could It can only get worse from here.
0: I feel like that's the case. Now you guys are going to be a little, a little premature here, but you guys are going to be at Board Game Geek Premature story of my life. But uh, yeah, we'll be
1: at BGG Con in in two weeks. You're going to be
2: there too, right?
1: No, I couldn't get a. I couldn't get a ticket. What are you talking about? I thought we got you a ticket. No, we didn't get him a ticket, Sean. And Cause... he can't swim. These are things that our listeners know. <laughs> I can't swim. I can't get a ticket. I'm, it doesn't
0: work. I knew at, you weren't
2: coming. It I just wanted to rag you. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, it didn't work out anyways. Just because. Well, when I found out I couldn't come, then the 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 D and D event that I planned is it's gonna obviously work unless people
1: just don't show up. But they already gave me the money. So, uh, so what do the future episodes look like? Are we getting so next week we're here, we're together, right? We'll yep. be recording next week. Uh, but the week after that, what's the what's the game plan, guys? So, when is BGG Con?
0: Is that the 18th? Yeah, it's, it's that the 16th weekend. The through the 20th. Uh, we might just take that week off, I think. It Never. might be our, It might be our first week off cuz you guys will be there and uh, Pokémon Sun and Moon launches that that week and that's that's my that's my other jam. Yeah. That's my jelly. Yeah.
1: We'll figure something out. Maybe we'll get another episode that's late again. Hey, sorry, that's my fault that the Halloween episode was late. I was at Castle. I didn't have time to edit it. I'm sorry. So hopefully you guys like that little Halloween episode we did. Sean's Chamber of Echo story. I loved it. Such a good storyteller, Sean. Thanks. I think I've kissed up to you enough this episode. Maybe I should start being mean.
0: Yeah, and then... uh, and then Thanksgiving's the week after that, so we'll probably have to do another episode early or late
1: there, too. Yeah, you know what? Maybe we'll do this. Maybe we'll get some other special episode and record it earlier and release it. Something, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I don't want to leave our Tuesday knaves hanging. We'll see what we can do. But if we don't, at least they know. At least we laid crepes for the disappointment. We gave them at least two weeks
0: ahead. That's, it's like a quitting a job. We gave you at least two weeks. Of letting you know that episodes will probably be late and or not on time, which is the same thing, late and not on time. Uh, Alan, where can the listeners find you? The knaves, the na- The knaves,
1: the knaves. Uh those rascals. I am on uh, Battlenetch. Alan, hashtag 11775. If you want a friend request me, maybe we could play some Overwatch, maybe some Hearthstone. I'm horrible at both, so don't expect much. But more importantly, you can find me on social media, on Facebook, or the tweets at Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R, ding.
2: All right, Sean, where can, they find, where can the knaves find you? You guys can nave me at Sean McCoy on Twitter, S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. Awesome. You can follow me on Twitter, at lake. You
0: can also follow Tuesday Night Games on Twitter, at PlayTKG. And if you have any emails, comments, or concerns, or just any feedback in general, you can email us at podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Otherwise, I believe this episode
1: is... Finished. Finished. (laughs) Timing. Finished.